We've been in the midst of a series of messages that we're labeling Healing Lessons. We're looking at healing lesson number two. Let us pray. Father, your word conceived in my human spirit, informed by my tongue, and spoken out of my mouth is creative ability that is working for me now in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Go with me to the book of Luke and uh, chapter 18, and we'll begin at verse 35. Luke chapter 18 and verse 35. And this story of Bartimaeus is found also in the book of Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 20. But let's begin in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 35. And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was come nigh into Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. Now they said a certain blind man. Now Mark will give us his name, but Luke doesn't mention his name, but it says a certain blind man. So this is not a parable. This is a real situation that occurred. A certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they said unto him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, uh, this is going to become important to us to understand uh, something about Jesus. There's something about Jesus we need to understand as it relates to uh, his anointing. And uh, whenever I see this phrase, Jesus of Nazareth, it triggers a thought within me concerning the anointing. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 10 and we'll come back here. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and we're going to see this phrase also used in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Now, this thought is triggered immediately. Whenever I see Jesus of Nazareth, I consider the anointing that's on his life. Go to Acts chapter 10 and look at verse 38 for a moment, because this is going to be extremely important to our study. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Here, Peter, the apostle Peter, is at Cornelius' house, and he's ministering to this man and his family. And uh, Peter says these words concerning Jesus. Let's begin at verse uh, 37 of Acts chapter 10. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, we just read that statement concerning Jesus of Nazareth. We read something relative to Jesus of Nazareth over in the book of Luke and, uh, and verse 36 was it? Luke chapter 18 and verse 36. Let's take a look at that. Let's go back there for a second and let's run our reference here. Luke chapter 18. Look at verse 37. And they took and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. Jesus of Nazareth. Look back at Acts 10 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So we see Jesus of Nazareth again here. But something Interesting, we find about Jesus of Nazareth here in Acts 10.38, and that is that he was anointed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, let's talk about this anointing for a moment, because this is going to become important to our study. Anoint means to rub on, to smear, to consecrate, or dedicate. Say that with me. Anoint means to rub on, to smear, to consecrate, or dedicate. Jesus was rubbed on, smeared on, consecrated, dedicated. Jesus was anointed and is anointed. 
He is known as the anointed one. Anointed presupposes that you've been rubbed on, smeared on, consecrated, and dedicated. So there's anoint, anointed, and anointing. What is the anointing? Well, when you and I talk about the anointing outside of Christian circles, the anointing could be uh, baby oil. I'm looking at some oil that I have over here and some uh, uh, prayer oil or lotion or cologne or perfume. Butter can be used to anoint bread, peanut butter or jelly. And so there's natural substances that we could refer to as an anointing. But then there's the spiritual substance that we can refer to as the anointing. And for you and I as Christians, we think of immediately the Spirit of God. And that's what we see here in Acts 10 and verse 38, how God anointed, you see, God anointed, God rubbed on, God consecrated, God dedicated, God set Jesus apart. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. So he was Jesus of Nazareth before he became Jesus the Christ. He was Jesus of Nazareth before he became Jesus the Christened one or Jesus the Christ. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, right, who went about doing good. So he was anointed and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. Oppressed of who? Oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus is and was anointed. Praise God. And so many times you'll now actually uh, you may not see this phrase as much, but you'll see the phrase uh, uh, you'll see the word Christ or you see the word Messiah. Now, Messiah is a Hebrew word. Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. Say that with me. Messiah represents the anointed one. The Greek word uh, is Christ. Christ represents the anointed one. So in Hebrew, Messiah is the anointed one. In Greek, Christ is the anointed one. You and I are not Hebrew or Greek for the most part. Uh, we would simply say anointed one. Messiah, Christ, or anointed one. And when you think about the anointing, you have to ask, okay, if he's the anointed one, what is he anointed with? He's anointed with Holy Spirit and power. And for what purpose? The purpose of the anointing is to remove burdens and destroy yokes. Jesus talked about this anointing everywhere he went. He talked about the anointing. That's important. He talked about the anointing. All right. Now, uh, let's go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 for a second. We'll come back to Luke 18. We'll go to Luke 4, 18. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. I want you to see something here as well. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus speaking of the anointing, and this is what he says of himself. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is up on me. You hear that? The Spirit of the Lord is up on me because... Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon you, Jesus? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, my Father, hath anointed me. Hath anointed me. He's rubbed on me, smeared on me, consecrated me, dedicated me. He's rubbed on me. I am anointed. My Father has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me. For what purpose? To preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, now, that's important. That was important to this blind man, Bartimaeus. This was important to him. Jesus preached this wherever he went. I am anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. 
All right, to preach recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised or broken down, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This anointing is extremely important. You'll find that multitudes followed Jesus, wanted to touch him, wanted to connect to this anointing, because this anointing would remove burdens and destroy yokes. Praise God. He is the Messiah. Messiah represents the anointed one. He is the Christ. Christ represents the anointed one. He is the anointed one. But there's another phrase that we need to be familiar with, which is relevant to our uh, lesson today. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22 and verse verses 41 and 42. Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 and 42. You have to see this with your own eyes. Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 and 42. Notice what it says here. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, what think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ or the anointed one? And notice what they said. They said unto him, the son of David, the son of David. Jesus is the Messiah. That's the Hebrew uh, word for anointed one. Jesus is the Christ. That's a Greek word for anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the son of David the seed of David. So whenever you see the phrase son of David, think Messiah, think Christ, think anointed one. When anyone would hear this phrase son of David, they automatically thought that's the Messiah. That's the anointed one. That's the Christ. That's the deliverer. That's the one that's carrying that power, that ability. Praise God. Now that's going to become significant to you as we look at the story of blind Bartimaeus. Now let's go back to uh, Luke chapter 18 and Pick up where we left off. Luke chapter 18, please. Luke chapter 18. Praise God. Luke chapter 18. And let's go back to verse. Well, let's pick up at verse 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. This is Bartimaeus asking this question. And they said unto him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. Jesus of Nazareth. This is the one that is anointed. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the son of David, praise God. And he cries saying, Jesus, thou son of David, glory to God. So he knew, he knew that the Messiah, the Christ is the son of David. He was able to put all of that together. He understood that. He heard about Jesus. And this is why he was excited when he heard that it was Jesus coming through, Jesus of Nazareth, all right? He cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now let's stop right there. Have mercy on me. Why didn't he simply ask for healing? He said, have mercy on me. It seems like he would have said, listen, uh, I need you to heal my eyes, bring restoration to my eyes. This is what I want, I want healing in my eyes. But instead of saying that, he says, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, and notice what he says here, thou son of David. He, he wants to make sure that he uh, introduces this thought. I, I am affirming, I am acknowledging that I recognize that you are the son of David. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. And I ask you to have mercy on me. Why is he putting a demand on mercy? And why would he make the same statement twice? He's being respectful. He's acknowledging who Jesus is. And he's placing a demand on the mercy of God. Have mercy on me. Now, what is mercy? And why is this significant? Why is he asking for mercy? Well, let's talk about that for a moment. 
when you think about the mercy, I want you to think about it in relationship to the judgment uh, that was to come upon the first Adam, and that did come upon the first Adam as a result of his disobedience and high treason in the Garden of Eden. Adam disobeyed God, and he was sentenced to death. He died spiritually. He was separated from God. And this death penalty was associated with every person born out of the first Adam. Every person born out of the first Adam were spiritually dead, separated from God because of Adam's disobedience in the Garden of Eden. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus is known as the last Adam. And Jesus took the death penalty associated with Adam's, the first Adam's, disobedience and high treason, and he received it upon himself. Jesus received the judgment that was due to mankind in our behalf. Jesus received the judgment. He received what he did not deserve. Why would he do that? So that you and I could receive what we didn't deserve. Mercy. Mercy is in contrast to judgment. Judgment is generally a penalty or punishment associated with wrongdoing. Now, judgment can be, uh, it's not necessarily sin that you would need mercy for only. It's not exclusive to sin. There are things that you could do that uh, are not necessarily sin, but you're going to need mercy to help bail you out and turn things around. We need the mercy of God all the time. We need the mercy of God. And mercy is a manifestation of the compassion of God, which is sometimes used in exchange uh, or interchangeably with mercy. And so compassion or mercy, and we could say it this way, compassion is divine love in action. And a manifestation of the compassion of compassion is mercy. Manifestations of the love of God would be mercy. Mercy is the, the outflow or the overflow of the love of God. Mercy is embedded inside of what we call grace. Grace is God's willingness to use his ability and authority in your behalf. God's willingness to use his ability and his authority in your behalf. It is God's divine influence, God's favor, God's willingness to use his ability and authority in your behalf, although you don't deserve it. That's where mercy comes in. And so with judgment, you're getting what you do deserve. But with mercy, you're not getting what you do deserve and, you, and you're getting what you don't deserve. So Jesus, what he did was, Jesus received, how can we say this? Jesus received what he didn't deserve so that you and I would receive what we didn't deserve. Jesus became, he became what you and I were so that you and I could become what he was. He became sin so that you and I could become righteous. He received judgment so that you and I could receive mercy. Mercy, you're not getting what you deserve, but you are getting what you don't deserve. You're getting the good that you didn't deserve. That's what you're getting. And this man is putting a demand on the mercy of God. And God's mercies are new every morning. God is known as the father of mercies. Glory to God. And uh, you and I can access the mercy of God. It requires faith now. And I want you to have faith for this mercy because you're going to see it many times as we go through these lessons together. And uh, But notice what he says here. Jesus, thou son of David, the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, what will you that I should do unto you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. 
glory to God. And Jesus said unto him, receive your sight. Your faith have saved you. Your faith have saved you. Now let's talk about that for a moment. This word saved comes from the Greek root word sozo, S-O-Z-O, and it's pronounced sozo. And uh, sozo renders saved, it renders healed, it renders delivered, and it renders whole. So sozo means saved, healed, delivered, whole. It means to be complete, nothing missing, nothing broken. Sozo, S-O-Z-O. And that's what happened when you and I received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You and I were sozo. We were saved, healed, delivered, and made whole, complete, nothing missing, nothing broken. Praise God. Now, he says, your faith has saved you. He could have said it this way. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has delivered you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith. Now, when did he release his faith? He released his faith when he put a demand in a respectful way, in an honorable way, I would say, on the mercy of God. He knew, he knew that he needed the mercy of God. I need the mercy. I need mercy. And, I, and I, I'm putting a demand on mercy. I ask for mercy. I'm not asking for something that I deserve. I'm asking for your mercy. Glory to God. I'm asking for mercy. And then he also recognizes him as the son of David. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You're in a position to remove these burdens and destroy these yokes. You're the son of David. Glory to God. And I ask you for mercy. He's putting a demand on the mercy of God. He's putting a demand on the anointing of God. He's releasing his faith in this way. Glory to God. And uh, let's go to Mark's account. And let's look at Mark's account of the same story. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. It's good to have your Bible so that you can look at this with us. Mark chapter 10. And let's begin at verse 46, I believe. Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. And they came to Jericho. So we see this town again of Jericho. They came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus. Now Mark gives us his name. We're in Luke and Matthew doesn't give us his name. Uh, Luke mentions that it's a certain man. And uh, Matthew doesn't mention his name at all. And Ma Matthew actually mentions two blind men one of which is Bartimaeus. Now here in verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Be quiet, shut up. Don't embarrass us, be dignified. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now let's stop here for a second. He casting away his garment. Now, first of all, let me say something about this cry. This was not a cry of desperation. Okay? This was not a cry of desperation. This was a cry of faith. He knew that uh, in proximity to where he was, Jesus was a distance of, uh, from him. And there was a crowd of people, a large commotion, a crowd of people following Jesus. Hundreds and hundreds of people are following Jesus. He needed to get Jesus's attention. Now, he can't see, so he can't, you know, get in the midst of the flow and, and connect with Jesus in that way. So he's having to use his voice. He's having to speak. He's having to speak out loud because he can't see. And so... 
his eyes aren't working, but his mouth is working. So he uses his mouth, which is working, so that he can put a demand on Jesus so that he can get his eyes working, you see. And this man had a vision of himself seeing again. He had a vision on the inside of himself getting healed. This is an inner vision. Now, we're not talking about sight. I'm talking about vision, which is greater. He had vision on the inside of himself seeing again. He had a vision on the inside of himself saying to himself, listen, when, when Jesus comes to town, if I could connect with Jesus, I will see. My sight will be restored. My eyes will be opened if I can connect with Jesus. He had a vision of that, and he gave voice to the vision, and his sight was restored eventually. Praise God when he came into contact with Jesus, you see. And so now, notice here, he cast away his garment. What's up with that? He cast away his garment. Well, this garment that he wore was a license. It, it, it gave him a license to beg for money. It gave him a license to receive from people money, food, clothing, whatever he would need. This was his, his license to beg and do what he was doing in the street. This garment. This was a government-issued garment that he wore. And this garment became a part of his identity. I am a blind beggar. That's who I am. I'm a blind beggar. But he moved from being a beggar to a believer. Glory to God. And his identity was, I'm a blind man. I'm a beggar. But what happened? He, he took that garment, cast it off, and went to Jesus. Now, why would he do something like that? Because he anticipated being healed. I'm not going to need this garment anymore. I'm not going to be identified by this beggar's garment anymore. And he tossed that garment off and stood up, changed his position, changed his posture, and went to Jesus. Praise God. This is an act of faith. He threw away that garment. He cast away that garment. That was an act of faith. That was like his uh, Medicaid card. That was his disability card, you know, in this, if we were to make it relative to today. And so now notice here, he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what will you that I should do unto you? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now, did you notice that? Your faith has made you whole. Now, when we looked at Luke, how did Luke word it? If you recall Luke chapter 18, how did Luke word it? Luke used the word saved. Let's take a peek at this. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. Luke chapter 18. And uh, it says here in Luke 18, in verse 42, Jesus said unto him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. In fact, I want you to go back there with me, if you would. Luke chapter 18 and look at verse 42 and just toggle between Luke 18, 42 and here in Mark chapter 10 and verse 52. So look at Mark 10, 52 and Luke 18, 42 and toggle between the two. And notice the difference. Uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and uh, verse 52, and Jesus said unto him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. But then in Luke 18, 42, Jesus said unto them, receive your sight, your faith have saved you. Now notice, I shared with you earlier that the Greek root word sozo renders saved, healed, delivered, whole. So you can see that uh, in scripture now, in one place it says your, your faith has made you whole, and the other place it says your faith has saved you. I suspect that this man's reputation has been restored, he's whole. He's complete. He not only received his sight, but he's also made whole. His reputation is restored. You know, people don't look at him as a beggar anymore. They don't look at him as a blind man anymore. 
They look at him as they look at him as a respectable individual. Praise God. Hallelujah. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Now notice also here, uh, we're going to go back to uh, Mark chapter 10, but notice also something here in Luke 18, verse 43. Uh, we didn't read this verse, but this is significant. Look at verse 43 here, Luke 18, 43. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. Isn't that interesting? The man glorified God. You're looking at it, Luke 18, 43, the man glorified God. But notice he did not glorify God while he was blind. He gave God the glory after his sight was restored. God is glorified in your healing. God is glorified in the restoration of your sight. God is glorified in the restoration of your finances. God is glorified in the restoration of your family. God is glorified in your healing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now going back to Mark chapter 10, and uh, we'll finish up over here. Mark chapter 10, verse 52. And Jesus said unto him, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. He followed Jesus beyond uh, his healing. He followed Jesus. Now go to Matthew chapter 20. Let's look at Matthew's account and uh, we'll look for a parking spot. Matthew chapter 20. In fact, we're going to pray together. I want to release my faith with you for whatever you would need. Matthew chapter 20. And let's look at verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Now, a multitude could represent thousands of people, thousands, all right? And we see Jericho again, so we know that this is the same story. And uh, uh, followed him in verse 30, and behold, two blind men. Now, here in Matthew, you don't see Bartimaeus' name. His name is not mentioned in Matthew. His name is not mentioned in Luke, but it's the same story. So Matthew 20, Luke uh, 18, and Mark chapter 10. Same story, but you get different renderings from each writer all right and so in verse 30 and behold two blind men sitting by the wayside when they heard that jesus passed by cried out saying have mercy on us o lord thou son of david and the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace but they cried the more saying have mercy on us o lord thou son of david and jesus stood still and called them and said what will you that i should do unto you they said unto him lord that our eyes may be open so jesus had compassion on and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Now, here's another word that we see, the word compassion. Now, the word compassion is used sometimes interchangeably with the word mercy. Jesus had compassion on them. They asked for mercy. Jesus released compassion. Compassion is divine love in action. When you release the love of God, you'll be, you'll be gracious toward people. There'll be a gratuitous uh, behavior about you you'll release grace. And inside the grace is the mercy. Mercy is inside of grace. According to Hebrews 4.16, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain what? Mercy. There's mercy inside of grace. Glory to God. And grace and mercy are an outflow or an overflow of the love of God. Glory be to God. Isn't that awesome? Take a look at something with me. Go with me to the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 4 and 5. I want to read something to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, his great love, he's rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Notice how mercy and grace 
are an overflow, an outflow of the love of God. God loves you. He wants you to experience his grace. He wants you to experience his mercy. In fact, let's take a look at another one. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. This is important. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. So let's make time for this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Isn't that something? The Father of mercies. So he is the Father of mercies. So it's not just mercy for forgiveness, but there's mercy for healing, there's mercy for finances, there's mercy for other areas of your life where you may have missed it and got off course. There's mercy for that. No condemnation, no judgment, but mercy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Father of mercies. Glory to God. And so God wants you to experience that. Now, here's what I need to share with you. And uh, I believe this is important. Uh, all of what we're looking at here, these healings, the in lesson one and here in lesson two and we have others that we're going to look at but here's what i want you to understand jesus went to the cross died for our sins and uh he went to hell praise god was raised from the dead ascended into heaven sent back his spirit you and i are now born again children of god praise the lord and god's spirit resides on the inside of you and i and because his spirit resides on the inside of you and i you have jesus on the inside Jesus, the anointed one, dwells within you. Glory to God. You're not having to look on the outside for healing. The healing power of God is resident on the inside. Praise God. So we're looking at some of these uh, illustrations and these uh, instances where Jesus had an encounter with different people and he ministered healing to them and so forth. But what you and I need to understand is that many of these healings that we're going to look at took place prior to the cross. All right. And so Jesus is an example of who we are in him. He's our example of who we are in him. And this was prior to the cross. Many of these healings that we're going to look at took place prior to the crossover, prior to the cross. And uh, but we can still glean some things from them. Glory to God. We can see how to uh, navigate the faith walk and how to use our faith, become skilled in the use of our faith. There's a lot of things we can learn. But here's what you need to understand. You are the healed. You are wearing, you remember the woman with the issue of blood? She wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Well, consider this. You're wearing the garment now. You're not needing to touch his garment. You're wearing the garment. Jesus is resident on the inside of you. You are the healed. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed. Praise God. And so we'll look at these various lessons, but I don't want you to regress in your thinking from the standpoint of you are the healed. You are healed. Healing is yours. You're whole. You're complete. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. You're saved. You're healed. You're delivered. You're whole. That's who you are at the spirit man level. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live inside of a physical body. And the spirit man, you are saved. You are healed. You are delivered. You're whole. You're complete. You have God resident on the inside of you. And that anointing that's resident on the inside of you is available to administer healing to your physical body if you'll believe God for it. Praise God. The power of God, the resurrection power is in you right now. Glory to God. Say, I am the healed. Here's what I want to do. I want to release my faith with you. Glory to God. Say this with me. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body right now. Say it again. I will experience a manifestation of the glory of God in my physical body right now.
All right, I'll take it from here. I release my faith in your behalf and I command your body to line up with the will of God. Body, line up. Eyes, be healed. Sight, be restored. Ears, open. Glory to God. Esophagus, be made whole. Be made whole in your physical body right now. In the name of Jesus, I release my faith. Healing, be in your house. Healing, be in your physical body right now. Say, I receive. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm evangelist and pastor Derek E. Wilkes in behalf of Congregation of Churches saying to you, prosper for the fellowship of the union.